I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Home Recording Guide, a new four-part series all about how to record at home, the equipment you'll need to transform your gigging or practice rig into something that allows you to create great music at home, and some hints and tips on how to get started or how to improve, and if you're already well-versed in home recording, hopefully a few tidbits to really hone your skills. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by professional freelance producer, YouTuber, and all-around knowledgeable fella, Mark Roberts. Hello, Mark, and welcome to the show. Hello, mate. You all right? Yes, I am all good. Uh, I am all good. Thank you very much for joining me on the first episode of, uh, what do I call this? The Home Recording Guide. Yes, but... <laughs> I've, nice wanted to do, I've wanted to do a series on like uh, on recording bits and bobs for ages because the other three guys that that we do the the main guitar nerds podcast with, I keep trying to put things into the main podcast where I'm like, let's talk about these plugins, let's talk about this interface, and it's not something that any of them do. None of them record at home at all or ever have. Yeah. None of them even know how to open a door, so it would make for a very one-sided conversation. So uh, so I'm very, very excited to actually be talking to someone who who obviously dwarfs my knowledge massively on this. Well, um, hopefully. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and dwarf your knowledge best that I can. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, now, before we get into things, uh, let's give our audience a bit of an overview on yourself and all the wonderful things that you've done. Because mm-hmm. you're... Um, you're Brighton-based, and really over the last Brighton UK, that is, listener, of course, over 50% of audience are American. I always have to remember that. Brighton UK-based, yeah. and really over the last uh, few years, you've been mopping up, uh, producing for all like the best heavy, uh, sort of mathy and weird bands in the area. Like among those, uh, like Delta Sleep, Tosca, the Physics House Band, Jamie Lenman, Black Peaks, Dorje, Quiet Lions. It's... It's quite a list. Polymath. Um, <laughs> oh yes, yes, there is. I did. I left us off in yeah, the yeah. hope that you would that yeah, you would do that. There we go. Of course, and polymath. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, yes, it, yeah. You did a couple of things: a live thing and our, our last sort of ridiculous forty-minute uh, single. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's quite a substantial list of uh, of bands that you've produced locally, and of course, you're you know. You're producing stuff all over the place, and you have a, a you know, like a really good up and coming YouTube channel where you're offering kind of hints and tips to people as well. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, um, so, uh, uh, how long have you been being a producer for? Oh, I don't know. There's, it's, it's hard to draw a line because I kind of became a producer, kind of by accident. Um, I reckon I've been doing it seriously, a bit over ten years. Right. And when I say seriously, I mean, like, almost making a living to making a living <laughs> out of it. So, yeah, but I, I saw, I, yeah, I started off tinkering and making demos and stuff. And that just kind of developed and I caught the bug kind of thing. So it's, it wasn't a something I went and studied at uni or anything like that and decided this is what I want to be. It was just kind of like something that almost seemed a bit un- unattainable i was right. kind of thought of producers uh, as a thing that i would never never quite reach and then yeah i guess it just becomes comes more what you do i suppose 
there are there are two reasons I think that make um make becoming a producer obstructive. One is the amount of knowledge, like the the yeah the broadness of knowledge you need everything from you know kind of a good bedside manner with bands to you know to side chaining like you know it's there's there's such a a massive amount of things that you have to be good at and then of course um from an equipment side it's it's obviously obstructively expensive to become a producer if you're not going to be a resident producer in a studio which of course you're you're not you have your your own studio built into your home yeah yeah but it's one of yeah i totally know what you mean and um that's that's probably part of why i found it one of those processes that just happened rather than being like yeah i'm going to be a producer because it does seem like i always liken it to um learning an instrument and it's like one of those things you just have to do a lot and practice and learn you're always learning you don't kind of reach a goal i don't think right and that's kind of why you keep doing it um but yeah, yeah, it's my. I do have a setup at home and I have a studio, but it's not. I couldn't just do everything from there. At least in terms of what I do, I could produce music just from home, but I still regularly use studios to record drums and guitars and whatever. But it's really nice to have a mix setup at home, and I'm kind of expanding that a bit so I can do guitars and vocals and overdubs and stuff as well i guess that's it isn't there there's a there's a big difference you know and i i know obviously this podcast series we'll we'll have an uh the direction will be towards what you dear listener can do to set up at home but i guess you know from a professional standpoint with you mark there's um uh there's a a big difference between um having a, a space where you can track and having a space where you can mix and yeah. I guess having a space where you can mix is something that you can and have set up to, you know, the nth degree. You can have a very professional version of that at a home studio. I guess yeah. the, the reliance on the larger spaces comes when for tracking. Yeah, yeah, and- definitely. But even the tracking side, I mean, it is becoming more attainable. And I guess like what got me into it, because I, I always kind of saw it, saw it as like, um, I guess show my age or whatever like this the whole kind of revolution of all this much more affordable consumer gear well they'd always been affordable consumer gear but affordable consumer gear that actually produced decent results was like really starting to happen around the time I was at uni around that time I, I wasn't doing music at uni but I managed to spank most of my student loan on recording gear and it was just because you know, I'd seen a couple of mates do the same thing and they, they were producing demos for their band that sounded really passable and um, you used to have to spend a lot of money to go and get a really professional recording. So what we'd end up doing is going to kind of more project studio type studios and it would sound okay, it would sound pretty good. Um, but then it, it really started to dawn on me that all the kind of interfaces and things were getting so much better that you could produce results at least at that level um, from home on pretty affordable stuff. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what pushed me into doing it. And, and at that point, I had no designs on, on doing it for a living. It was just like, oh, I can make really like listenable demos of my band's stuff. And that was, that was enough for me. And uh, yeah, you just get more and more into that stuff. But... Yeah, what what I started saying there was kind of like I, I think it's just becoming more and more easy. I think you know the the hardest thing to do from a home setup would be to set up to do drums really well, I guess. But then, of course, well that's down to room size a lot of the time as well. Yeah, well, depending room on what size, sort of sound, what sort of sound you want your drums yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, mic collection and stuff. If we're talking about your more atypical rock drum sound, then definitely, but. Yeah particularly in more more the metal scene and stuff people have less and less qualms about just programming drums well this is the thing they sound better and better and if you want to do your more lo-fi kind of i don't know you see some cool stuff where it's just people with hi-hat snare and a kick drum in a small room and they've just mic'd up in such a way where it sounds cool and it's got a vibe you know 
definitely. I think, you know, obviously home recording is something that lends itself very well to to lo-fi. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, it, and if you want to get a drum sound uh, like that, then, uh, then yeah, it, it's really easy to. And uh, I, I was trying to think of the Tom Waits record um, where all of the drums were recorded by his son using stuff from their kitchen. I can't remember <laughs> the name of the album. It had a I red don't know title, about that. but uh, yeah, I'd, oh, it, it, it was it was real gone, which is I should have remembered. It's my favourite album by Tom Waits for a long time, but I thoroughly recommend going to listen to that listener if you if you haven't and you want to check out what you know someone as massive as Tom Waits was able to to achieve with uh, just kitchen appliances. It wasn't a child drumming. His son actually, I think, produced that record yeah. in 2004. But it was, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it was all uh, all kind of, uh, all pots and pans. And, you know, a lot of uh, Tom Waits going, ah, you know, yeah. as, as the drum sounds. But there's, you know, there's, there's, there's so much you can do if you want to go lo-fi. And, you know, as, as, thing, as something that I think I'll come onto a lot on this podcast, I'm a massive fan of plugins and, and drum... Uh, drum plugins have got really, really good. Um, there are, I, I tell you what, they're one of the few things that I didn't kind of research in advance of this podcast. So maybe on one of the future episodes, this, and I'll give you some idea on on some of the drum plugins that I think are very good. Um, is it Get Good Drums? Is that the uh, yeah the plugin company that I see advertised everywhere? And they were yeah. they were certainly doing. I mean, this is I'll come on to this now. We we start talking about this now, but you know, in in light of what you were saying, Mark, lockdown, this pandemic, you know, that we're going through, all of you know, all of this terribleness that we're going through, has has meant that a lot of companies producing plugins or interfaces and things like that have put together packages deals and discounts to make home recording uh, even more of an achievability like you talk about when you were coming out of university like interfaces getting good yeah, yeah. i kind of feel like now we're in this time where plugins are unbelievably good um, yeah and i like one of the big changes with um drum plugins and stuff is that you're kind of using real drums you know it's not yeah. It's not a synthesized sound anymore. It's just a very clever algorithm that allows you to almost play the real thing in the real rooms and all that kind of thing. And there's, yeah, there's several um, bits of software that will do the trick. You, you can almost set your sights on any of the kind of big name, you know, superior drummer, get good drums, all yeah. that kind of stuff. I mixed a whole EP recently that was all done on uh, this kind of thing. I think they'd kind of played it in on a V-drum kit and then, you know, um, maybe they edited it a little bit, you know, smoothed out some bits but, right. and they were going for a realistic drum sound and it's pretty damn good, really. I mean... Yeah. Obviously you know, a lot more work than playing in a real kit, but... Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, is but it? It, it, it kind of is and it isn't. I think if you want those kind of real intricacies and stuff then it can be yeah um depends what kind of music you're doing if you're doing some like something that's fairly one-dimensional like um and i don't mean that in a derogatory way but some kind of like metal where it's just all there's less dynamic and kind of ghost notes and stuff going on oh then. of course like, well that, i think you, know, you can get pretty metal drums pretty have been there, replacing snares with <laughs> with uh you know samples for, yeah. for years and that's great yeah. that's like it's it's all it's there's nothing wrong with that no and you know obviously you didn't and it's that. it's it's a case of it's, if it sounds good as well it's like what you're saying about the lo-fi thing and i think a lot of people worry too much about this stuff and it's kind of like if you embrace what you've got and just kind of let that be part of the inspiration rather than constantly trying to make something something yeah. it's not you know absolutely then then you can get away with a lot more and it's it's somehow a lot more honest it's kind of like rather than trying to make your strings sound exactly like a real string section using a something that's deliberately synthetic kind yeah. of sound. lean into the synthesized nature yeah. of that yeah 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 i completely agree um i i, I, I again you know because I, I just didn't think to research the drums but i uh, I wish I could remember the company, but um, Adam Betts, the drummer from Three Trap Tigers, yeah, did some um, did some loops and samples for a drum 
company recently and then they did you know some sort of lockdown like 50 percent off yeah so my band have been recording a you know a, a little sort of lockdown record and so we were able to get that adam betts one of my favorite drummers of all time he's now drumming on you know the <laughs> the new polymath record so Amazing. i was pretty shocked about that you know? yeah and there's so, so many people like him that have got their own little setups at home like so many you know if you look on instagram or whatever there's so many drummers that have just they might only have a tiny, like, um, modest room, but they've just learnt where to put the mics or whatever and they can get a wicked sound. And, yeah, I'm, you don't even go there with guitars. I mean, it's getting crazy now what you can do. <laughs> yeah, Don't even go there. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> what you was... can do with guitars now, you, there's almost no excuse to not get something recorded, you know? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's just become such an incredible option. And even, like... Um, in in kind of real world gear, the popularization of things like Helix GT one thousand, you know stuff like that has just made uh, made instant recording you know much more of an option. Even as you know, we were talking about uh, just before we recorded, Mark, we took the Boss Katana because, mm-hmm. of course, with, um, with with getting the Polymath guys to record who had never used doors or anything before, didn't have interfaces. I realised well, all of us own a Boss Katana. And yeah. you get a line out with a cab sim. Well, that gives you access to all of the Katana effects. And, you know, the interface on the Katana 2s is pretty decent. And it gives you access to all the same effects that are built into the MS3. So that's every boss effect, more or less, that you can think of and a digital replication of the ones that are analog. And you can layer those up, use them however you want. And... um and run it from the line out with a with a very decent cab sim. Like, I'm not going to pretend by any means, you know, the Katana is um, the ultimate recording solution for guitar. But, you know, for an amplifier that costs £200, yeah, the fact it's that crazy, you have access it? to Boss's entire back catalogue, plus a perfectly good recording amp for that is... Yeah. Like, that's the price of a normal interface, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's madness. Like, the guitar stuff who's kind of been teetering on the edge for so long and yeah. now there's suddenly like 10 products from plugins to kind of interfacey things to cab load boxes all these all the uh, amp load boxes sorry all these things that suddenly you can get these amazing sounds at home and yeah you know that's case in point it doesn't have to cost a fortune well kind of you know well i guess whilst we've sort of uh whilst we're on the subject of plugins which is kind of you know I feel like the rest of this podcast is going to be downhill from here for me because I, <laughs> I, I am so obsessed with plugins. Like, I, you know, since discovering how good plugins can be and listen, just the fact that you can get discounts on so many at the moment because of um, because of, you know, lockdowns and everything that's happening is is just this is the time. Listen, hence us doing this podcast. This is the time to get involved in that sort of thing. Yeah. But um but yeah, I wanted to actually very, very quickly on, on the on on drums, get good drums. They're doing thirty three percent off of everything at the moment. Yeah. Um, when this uh podcast goes out with, you know, no you know, no code necessary. Yeah, and it's all it's awesome stuff. I've used some of their stuff um just like trigger samples and stuff. They get good stuff because it's done. What is it? Yeah. The modern massive stuff's all done at Middle Farm. Is um, it? Oh right. Yeah, and so so it's been helpful. I've even used it literally when I've recorded a kit at Middle Farm, and I want to like you know support the kick drum a bit, and I can find. I often <laughs> make my own samples, but there was yeah. literally a case where it was like, well, we used the cue drums, kick drum in that room, and then. In modern massive, I could find that exact kit drum <laughs> recorded in that room, <laughs> but like just just to have that stuff, you know, that's totally attainable. You can kind of grab those really amazing sounds and stick them on your demo, or you know, help them on your actual productions or whatever it may be. You know, yeah. This special home recording series of Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Neural DSP. And now, Guitar Nerds listeners get 30% off all Neural DSP plugins with voucher code Guitar Nerds. 
Neural DSP create unique industry-leading guitar and bass plugins designed to make you sound exactly how you want without any sacrificing tone or dynamics. Their range includes signature plugin rigs available from some of the best modern guitarists in the world, like Corey Wong, Tosin Abassi, Adam Nolly Get Good, and Pliny. Plugins like Corey Wong's Archetype give you everything from crystal clear cleans and edge of breakup blues brashness, whilst the 14 series brings out all the crushing modern metal distortion you could possibly need. The point is that there's an amp here for every type of player, and with a 14-day free trial of any of the plugins at neuraldsp.com, with no credit card required, you can try before you buy and then purchase with the confidence that you're buying the right rig for you. And don't forget, enter code GUITARNERDS at the checkout for 30% off all Neural DSP plugins. Follow links in the description of this podcast or visit neuraldsp.com for more info. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's some incredible stuff. And to, talking about another uh, plugins company, um, a company that are um, are currently offering, as you know, as you'll hear um, on on this podcast, you can get thirty um, percent off um, uh, with Guitar Nerds uh, with Neural DSP um, at the moment, and all of their plugins and you know their stuff is absolutely fantastic yeah. obviously you know uh they're a brand that rabia is quite on board with which yeah, you know yeah, Mark, you, you, you've done you know lots of stuff with with rabia um you know throughout the years i don't know what he uses um do you know does what he use rabia the, uses yeah does he use the omega suite or is it the archetype i think it's the archetype he i uses, think he's yeah he uses a real mixture of stuff like he's someone who kind of dips his toe in a lot of of the kind of guitar plugins and you know, he's got an Oxbox and a Boss. Um, what's the Boss one called? Tube Amp Expander. Tube, tube Amp Expander. It's not a catchy the, name, is it? Oxbox and the two note stuff, which is really cool. Because I'm, I'm kind of getting into that stuff a bit more now. And I went, went round uh, the other week just for a full nerd out because I just wanted to try it all. And you know, yeah, well, I, I think it's just different tools for different things. I think the neural stuff is particularly shines in like metal and and things and. Well, it's, it certainly does. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of big records are using those. Like, um, what was it? The It's one of those Nail the Mix tracks. Um, yeah, there is some big records are using that neural hmm. stuff. Like, unashamedly, like, yep, yeah, all the guitars on this are like the Pliny yeah. thing, you know. And that's yeah. that's really cool that there's not this kind of, oh, you're cheating vibe anymore. It, it just doesn't matter. It's it, like, it sounds cool use it you know the the sound quality is so good and this listener i think is i think neural dsp is very much like you know i approach these these guys <laughs> you know about this because this is the plugin brand that i think are making the best stuff and that i wanted to be associated with the fact that they got involved with omega amp works which uh you know uh matt the one of the main podcast hosts has his own pink uh omega version of the amp that you can uh, that you have access to on neural dsp um I, I i just think that's fantastic but for me the thing you know you you obviously mentioned neural dsp big in metal and yeah. for me that's always been the reason that i've been like oh that's cool but you know that's not my bag uh, i like mids um yeah. but, but they've they've recently hooked up with Corey wong yeah um, exactly exactly it's getting and- it's expanding. Well, <laughs> well, exactly. And the Corey Wong suite. So I, I got the, the Corey Wong archetype suite. And it's absolutely incredible. So, you know, like full full price, it's like $140 for the for the Corey Wong suite. Mm. Uh, Corey Wong suite. Um, but it comes with like three amp heads, plus there's bass stuff on there, which I didn't even know. So it's kind of in purchasing this, I was like going through everything. And I was like, oh, and here are some bass bass amps Corey Wong doesn't play bass but there are some bass amps here and they all sound fantastic and I was like oh okay well I guess I guess this is my new plugin for bass because it sounds amazing because all I want is like a super clean bass plugin so that I can do stuff with either like real world preamps or by because you know I'm obsessed with plugins by buying other preamps yeah yeah And, And, and the um yeah, uh, what's the other one? The Dark Glass one that's Neural DSP. The, that's right, yeah, Neural yeah, DSP. That's, that's that's incredible. I've used that on loads of stuff. Have you? Right. And um, even if it's like mixed with a real bass amp, but 
Um, the Am- also, Plugin Alliance deserve a shout out because some of their stuff's amazing. The Ampeg. Is that um, yeah? I, plugin I was gonna, Alliance plugin is incredible, and I, I was going to ask got, about that because you yeah. you use that on uh, a live track that you mixed a polymath. Because I, yeah. I distinctly remember sort of the the room sound and everything where we we're recording. I was like, oh, this is awful, and I hated <laughs> hated my bass sound the whole time we were doing that. And then we listened back to it after you'd mixed it, and it sounded great, but it also sounded. It sounded how I wanted it to be, but (laughs) definitely not how it was when I was in the room. And I was like, wow, (laughs) maybe maybe I'm going deaf. Maybe I really was good. And then you were like, yeah, I was using this plugin and it was great. And I was like, oh, yeah, that that makes perfect sense. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've I've literally been, I think it was um, uh, maybe with Delta Sleep, sleep, that became a huge part of the sound, that plugin. And I've I've been in the studio and just A-B'd it with like the legit real thing. And it's just like... Yep, wicked. And I, I think like the moral of like the story we're talking about really is that it, it's at a stage now where neither is wrong or right. It's just whatever sounds good. It's yeah. not kind of like there's no, no longer any detrimental effect of using a plugin. There was a lot of there was a long time where I don't know things like people like Line Six had some stuff and it was hit or miss. Like for some things it would be great, but then it yeah. couldn't do other things. It might be great for a metal tone, but if you try to get like a broken, crunchy tone or a decent clean tone, it was difficult. Yeah. But now it's just kind of like whatever works. And and I've mixed records and recorded records where it's like I've absolutely no problem using a Kemper one side and a rear lamp the other side or a Kemper blended with a rear lamp or it just doesn't matter. It's just like... No, good, I, I good completely sounds. agree. I, um, good sounds. I, I've probably I've probably told this story on the podcast on the main podcast a couple of times, but I'll tell it here. Um, when when uh, when Polymath were doing something, I don't know something in the studio, and we needed to just track guitars um, whilst you know bass and drums were being recorded. But because so much of our stuff is done on signals <laughs> rather than planning mm. um tim tim our guitarist has to be in the in the same room as us when we're recording the other bits and bobs so um tim's just you know tracking in the guitars and in order to make things easy so that we could have the amount of bass amps and the drums being recorded at the same time i i borrowed a kemper from gack for for uh, tim to run through and tim is the most sort of anti-technology guy ever you know he once sent uh he once sent a, a text message of his own forehead you know sort of <laughs> not not realizing yeah he's, he doesn't understand technology at all and so i left him with the kemper i was like here you go here's how you scroll through some presets all you need is a, a sort of a a rough drivey sound to lay your guitars down so just find an amp sound that you like and at the time he was playing um he was playing Orange Rocker Thirties, and uh, and he scrolled through, and he was like, "Yeah, I like the sound of this one." And I had a look to see what it was, and it was the uh, Kemper Rocket Dirty, which is their the obviously rip. their yeah. their of of not you know just it wasn't that Tim had just got the orange amp tone; it was specifically the amp he uses in the real world. <laughs> Without any, not he had no idea. He wasn't looking at the names. He was just like, "Oh yeah, this sounds good." Um, right. So yeah. just as as kind of because I'm always very aware that I'm like, "Oh, you you mean this has these bells and whistles?" Well, I think it's fantastic. Uh, whereas you know, Tim very much is just going on the actual sound of things and what yeah. he likes. You know, um, and and just the fact that he found that just is absolute testament to what an incredible job Kemper are doing I think yeah and do and making your I've recently done a few sessions with um like make, helping people make their own um profiles and things with the Kemper and it's oh right it still just makes me giggle when we're doing it it's just insane <laughs> yeah like you've obviously if you if you don't know if you make these profiles it's kind of a snapshot of your amp or whatever amp and cab that you're using um so you kind of you run a bunch of sine wave and white noise and stuff through it and then it captures the very soul of your amp 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And then you, um, yeah, you, you can refine it a little bit, but it's, yeah, it's just crazy. And it will usually end up with me shutting my eyes and being like, right, and, and getting someone to AB between the two. And it's just, <laughs> it's scary how, how close it gets. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's really amazing. Yeah. Well, for, like for me, from a from a sort of uh, from a, a home, I guess not even home recording, like just home practicing, home playing. You mm. know, we we get uh, guitars get sent through more more than anything else. We get loads of effects pedals. Yeah, sent through, and I've just just for ease of setup, I you know I have my interface and everything on my desk, and now that like certainly with the with the archetype Corey Wong thing, now that I'm like completely happy with a guitar plugin, all pedals now just go straight into my interface. So even from a sort of playing at home demoing stuff, I'm not using real world amps. I'm listening yeah. to stuff back through my through my monitors. Um and that, you know, that that's That's interesting actually. I haven't done much of that like putting pedals in front of plugins is that does it react how you'd expect and how you want it to i struggled for a long time to find the ones that that did it properly i went to all the effort of building a shelf where i could mount my um my helix so that i could have that sort of permanently plumbed in so i would kind of use that so everything could run through that um, and because I, I really, I really, I really enjoy the versatility of the of the Helix. Obviously, having things like an effects loop built into the Helix means meaning that if I if I'm using something like a reverb pedal, uh, a real world reverb pedal that I want to plug into the Helix, I can still put it after the amp if I want that sort of thing. Like there's yeah, a yeah. there's a big advantage to having something with an effects loop for sure. Um, but the Certainly the, the Corey one was the first thing where I was like, well, this is really good as kind of a, a clean platform. This is fantastic. And things like the some of the effects pedals built in there, stuff like the shimmer is is just absolutely incredible. So it kind of then comes down to, well, how good are, how good are your monitors? Yeah, um, yeah. For sort of replicating that real world. Um, and the reactionary, I guess the only thing you might slip up on is when, is that effect of driving an amp with just like a clean, you know, like a boost pedal or something, it may not have the same reaction. Sure. Yeah. There's but yeah. There's... Reverbs, delays, straight up distortion, fuzz, all that stuff. I presume works well. I know it works well in front of. That's another thing I was going to say with the Kemper, where we've done profiles and then put pedals in front of that. It reacts exactly how you'd want it to, how how you think it would, which is yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's it. And we'll, I certainly think this one does. Um, and mm. and like dynamics is a big part of my guitar playing style. Like that's really important to me. That sort of the ability to dig in because I, I don't really use a, a plectrum for guitar. Like the that that ability to 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 hold back and finger pick and then dig in when you when you really want some aggressive stuff. That's that becomes way more important. I like doing much more stuff with my right hand than with a with pedals and effects and having the Yeah, yeah, like actually I th- I think that's where some of these uh kind of plugins and what have you you know, used to fall down and don't anymore. And I think that's like where maybe where the changes happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, now, I, you know, I guess we've, uh, you know, the, the, that's that's kind of, you know, a, a little bit of a rough. Here are some plugins that I think you should get, listener, that maybe a touch random. There are, you know, there are so many. It's I could do a plugin podcast because there's everything. You know, from one thing that I've been deliberating over recently is uh, I was like, I think I want a Space Echo plugin because yeah. at the moment I use the Helix for Space Echo, and that's the only thing I have. Right, right. That has a that has a Space Echo. So I was like, well, that's actually the only, almost the only thing I'm using the Helix for anymore. I should just purchase a a Space Echo plugin. Oh my goodness, everyone ever has made one. Yeah, there's um, loads of them about. How do you possibly decide? Do do you, have you ever used one, or do you use a real one? I've got a real one, but I have used. Uh, I think the closest one I've heard is the Universal Audio one. That sounds like for like. That sounds incredible. Really, but right. I think everything from yeah, like um, Echo Boy, all those kind of plugins do it. You know, they do that thing. Yeah, but specifically of one that actually sounds like the Space Echo, I I was really impressed with the Universal Audio one. And in my old studio, me and Jez Walton used to run this studio. Um, we properly nerded out one day and kind of A-B'd and tried to see if each other could tell. <laughs> and obviously, it wasn't the most scientific test because it <laughs> kind of depends on what state your actual Space Echo's in at the time, how old the tape is, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it sounds it sounds amazing. It's really right. close, but right. like you say, loads of plugins out there now yeah, that yeah. do that thing. Um, also, the Boss Space Echo pedal. Oh, the RE twenty. RE twenty. That's that's awesome. That's yeah. like really good. That's fantastic. I gave that to the keys player in Polymath. Yeah, I mean, it's Which... just. I know that um, Dub Trio. You know that band. Yeah, yeah. Um, like they used to tour with the real Space Echo. And then for whatever reason that became, I don't know, it got damaged on on a plane, something like that. I can't remember. But yeah, the if you ever seen that band, the drummer basically used to have a space echo next to him, and he'd have elements on the drum kit that he would just play through the space echo and kind of adjust it and almost play the space echo as he was playing, <laughs> so do all this cool. mad dub stuff. And yeah, when I saw them live, he was using the the Bossari Twenty pedal. And it, is very it was good. cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It's very good. I mean, on that, on on kind of plugin effects and and the Space Echo, a company that I uh, that I think are really coming up on on that's all. Well, very much established is Arturia. Um, and they yeah. do the yeah. their delay tape two hundred one, but they also do a their memory brigade, brigade, which is their memory man. Mm-hmm. Um, and just some of the stuff is fantastic. They do like a, when it comes to reverbs. Like they have a uh, their Rev Spring six three six and their Rev Plate one forty, right? Um, and both of those are absolutely incredible. You can buy like the complete collection, I think now, which is annoying to see because that oh, was don't not tell the case. That. that was not the case when I purchased <laughs> everything individually. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, the uh, the Arturia plugins listener are are absolutely fantastic. That's um, the stuff I really go for with the plug is when you've got like the more vibey plugins. I, I keep using the word vibey, I'm sorry, but Do you mean like vintagey? No, you can use the word vibey as well. Yeah. I know, but the, yeah, it just sort of cringes myself. I cringe myself <laughs> out a bit with it, but it's I yeah, the vocabulary's not not huge. But um yeah, it's that kind of thing where things have a character to them and I think yeah, th- people like sound toys like nail that. Right. And right. um that's yeah. the thing, I guess, isn't it? Like bringing plugins to life, sort of. Yeah, and and they're they're getting better at um, making them react in the same way as outboard gear does. So you can kind of slam the input and things like the the Sound Toys plugins. Um, they react in a certain way. Like if you smash the input up and then back the output up on almost any of their plugins, they react like a piece of hardware would. Right. Whereas plugins used to just start clipping digitally they they've actually built that into the algorithms so all these kind of modeled there's all this stuff modeled on on kind of real gear and everything but even the ones that aren't it's it's just that that reactionary thing that a lot of these plugins have now which is is really incredible and it means you can get more out of them and you can use them in 
like imaginative and unusual ways. I'm just I'm reading about their decapitator right now. That's awesome. Yeah, decapitator, devil lock, both of those. They it's just you might as well just buy the <laughs> the plug-in suite, whatever they call it. I think it's like Sound Toys Sound Five. Toys Five, yeah, and, All twenty-one and Sound Toys plugins. Does yeah. the rack thing and and that. I don't think it's particularly expensive. It comes up on offer. I, I remember buying it on on an offer because I had like two or three of them and the offer, offer was such that I didn't mind that I already had some and had to buy the lot, if you know right, what I mean. Right, I see. Yeah, it's $499 at the moment. That might well be a full price thing. I can't see that any, any deals are being done. Here's the great thing about plugins uh, is that so many of them offer free trials yeah, um, yeah, which means that you know, unlike everything in the real world, guys, now that we don't have guitar shops anymore, um, unlike you know, the, in the real world, you can actually try before you buy, yeah. And it um, might just be that that try before you buy thing is enough to last you the project you need it for. Yeah, well, that's very you know? true, and yeah. you can just print it so you can still recall it, yeah. Um, and there's a lot more plug in companies offering subscription now, which I think is a good thing as well. I think subscriptions a fantastic way to yeah yeah I think it's just a, a good all round way to to do it, um, especially if you're not doing it for a living or doing it all the time. You can pick it up and put it down as you want to. You know you know that all right this month I just haven't got time to do any music. You just sort of sign off for a bit. You know yeah. So I think that's quite nice. And Slate Digital and Plugin Alliance have kind of nailed that whole thing. And Plugin Alliance, you can do different, there's kind of different tiers. Uh, there's like a musician's one, there's a mix master bundle or the or the mega bundle where you get all of them, you know. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really good way of doing it. I've I've been sucked into a couple of those and you're kind oh, of wow, doubtful, yeah. but it's you really get useful. Six, six free premium plugins if you sign up to Plugin Alliance. That's That doesn't even cost you money. Yeah, yeah. And oh, their man. stuff's nuts. And if you kind of, I don't know, there's some of those plugins that, because I'm, yeah, the the Universal Audio stuff's amazing as well, obviously. But some of those, the, there's a bit of cross-pollination with Plugin Alliance, like the things like the Shadow Hills compressor, the Marg EQ, and a couple of others. Are, it's literally the same plugin. It's the same algorithm, you know. Right, right, yeah. So... Yeah, there's, that's the kind of class of plugin that they. I'm, I, I'm really into those those plugins. I think they're great. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. I, you know, I mean, I kind of feel like this is this is almost. I should maybe rename this uh, the plugin podcast. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so whilst whilst ultimately that is almost all I'm interested in in the world at the moment, we should speak about kind of some yeah, other things. Yeah. So it, uh, would you want to think about? what people can do in their home studios and things as well as all the little toys and things, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's not just about, yeah, it's not just about the things you can buy. It's kind of, you know, this, the, the aim of this is, you know, to encourage you guitarist, if you're sitting at home with a little 10 watt practice amp, or even if you've got something decent, um, there is so much that you can do. Uh, at home for way less money than you think. This episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast is sponsored by Focusrite and their Scarlet series of recording interfaces. Now, this podcast is all about what you need to make great recordings at home, and I genuinely can't recommend the Focusrite Scarlet range enough. Due to the popularity of the series, Focusrite are now on their third generation of the interface range. And with six variants of size and starting at under £100, we think they're the perfect solution for getting into home recording. In fact, the Scarlet series have been the interfaces used to record almost all Guitar Nerds podcasts over the last six years. One of the features that really defines the Focusrite Scarlet's as industry-leading is the intuitive quick start tool, which launches the moment you connect the interface, asks a few simple questions about the type of recording you're interested in, and then provides you with the walkthrough videos and links on how you can best get started along those lines. Focusrite's ultimate aim is to remove barriers to making music. They believe that technology shouldn't stand in the way of creativity, and the Scarlet series of interfaces are testament to that. Check them out at focusrite.com or follow links in the description of this podcast. Um, well, this is this is the thing we're going on about plugins. This is the, the the guitar nerd equivalent of going on about pedals. 
yeah, yeah. And you can definitely... have all the pedals in the world, but if you can't play the guitar well, then it, it sort of doesn't really help. You know, we, we definitely jumped in at the at the deep end there we and did. got excited. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the kind of the the first thing, listener, that you need, you know, to get uh, to get started. Well, the first two things are you need to choose a door, yeah. um, and you need to pick uh, an interface. Now, when it comes to like the your recording platform, your door, um, what what do you use, Mark? I use Pro Tools, um, for better or worse. Yeah. What What made you use Pro? Because I guess the the two the two everyone either uses Pro Tools or Logic when you go to a studio. It tends to be almost exclusively those. Yeah. Those yeah. two. I think. Um, I don't know. I was I was learning all this stuff at a similar time to one of my friends, Kieran, who was kind of. He was ahead of me. He was actually kind of he. I can't remember if he was studying music tech at the time or if he was about to, but he was one of the people that inspired me to kind of get into it. You know, to get an interface and stuff. He was. I was playing in a band with him, and he was making our demos. I was just like, this this is amazing. I, you know, we were just recording at home in in our garage, kind of thing, and blah blah blah. As I said, sounded cool. Wanted to do all this thing, but he advocated pro tools i i think i started to learn cubase right but he advocated pro tools and it was around the time of the mbox one and i got an mbox one and that came with pro tools le so that's what i learned on i had to get over my cause another reason that i didn't get into all this stuff earlier i think was i was a bit of a technophobe um well, technology just didn't do that much stuff, I guess, that appealed to me. I thought of computers as word processing and Excel sheets and stuff. And then <laughs> it was like, oh, right, cool. If I get a laptop, I can do stuff with the music. So then, yeah, it was like a massive learning curve. But I got into Pro Tools. And long story short, I've if we're talking to your listeners... It doesn't matter what you use. <laughs> it's yeah. just do what you can afford or what appeals to you or what your friends use if you're collaborating with people. I mean, it's just a, a tape machine, really. Well, of course, yeah. I get, yeah, in its simplest term, I guess it is. I, I, I too, sort of learnt on the Pro Tools, whatever the, whatever the one was that you got in the basic box, like a real... Was it yeah, that SE would be LE. LE. Yeah. yeah, I think I learnt on that as well. But I was quickly put off by... Um, the fact that I needed a dongle and yeah, there's know, so there's many downsides to it, and and you know, it's still that way because they were the industry leaders. They kind of thought they had the monopoly over the whole thing, and I still have mixed feelings about using it. I think it's brilliant in a lot of ways, but especially for a home user, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the one to go for. Is there? There's so there's no free version of Pro Tools, is there? There is a basic is. free version oh, of it. Right. Yeah, okay. if you want to just learn the functionality of it, it's if you're interested in working in studios, then you kind of still need to use Pro Tools or know how to use Pro Tools. Do you? I didn't. I, I didn't know that. Like, yeah, I, I thought. I, th I guess I assumed you could Logic or Pro Tools were the ones that were. Do you, do, I think is Logic is dominant. Is, is, I think it's safe to say Pro Tools is still dominant overall. I think uh, Logic is closing the gap a little bit. And there's some studios now that are kind of Logic studios in the main, but that's a recent development. If you go to any bigger studio, they're going to run Pro Tools as their main thing. I see. And I see. If you, if you want to be, an you know, if you're an aspiring engineer that wants to be an assistant and stuff you need to know pro tools right, still right. do you do you, do you think it's very is pro tools exclusively the one you know have you ever dipped your fingers into i use your fingers dipped your toes into any of the others i could dip my fingers also it's fine <laughs> it doesn't matter what extremity we go for i think i've used logic a little bit and i use i use it by default for recording audio for youtube and stuff like that yeah partly out of necessity to be honest <laughs> but yeah i just think i don't know if you're if you're going to do more programming and stuff i think logic has got better midi facilities i think everything has got better midi facilities and pro tools but where pro tools really shines is editing mixing and tracking 
it's really good for. But yeah, there's there's loads of. It's just about finding what suits you. Like Ableton is is really. I think Ableton and Logic are better for a musician at home who's wants to use them as more of a notepad like and create stuff like they come with more creative tools i do think a- ableton just the way it aimed itself as being for live use with the cycle yeah uh, so uh, was it called cycle 76 is it 76 i can't remember um but i think for live application ableton did a really good job ableton certainly what my my girlfriend emma uses um, yeah predominantly and she does a lot of synth stuff and so being able to port like live drum bits and bobs onto you know one of those <laughs> i don't even know the name of them the things that it's have like lots uh, of, the push lots of buttons yeah, yeah the push Ableton yeah push. yeah it's, it's awesome all that stuff i, I want to get more into that i need to somehow create some time to to get more into that kind of stuff one of my friends is really heavily into that and I've gone round and we've mucked around a few times and it is just, yeah, really amazing creative tools for people and especially, not especially, but also inclusive to people that maybe aren't musically trained and stuff. I think you can just kind of, they're intuitive interfaces and, yeah, you can have fun with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also think, uh, I, I do think Cubase is very good. I, re- I really, Yeah, man, yeah, um, totally. It's, it's, I get sniffed at, but I don't, I honestly don't know why. I think they've they've had it down for years. You know, well, then the interfaces they brought out like two years ago were like a you know were like a Neve um, uh, preamp interface for yeah. like a hundred quid, and it, you know they were they were fantastic. They were incredible interfaces. I was very impressed with those. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how to use Cubase, even though I do have a copy of it taking up quite a lot of space on my computer. I really <laughs> should either sort of you know poop or get off the pot i guess but uh yeah i know a um, couple of people that use it and swear by it i think you know it's it's the same as what we were saying about oh you know plugins better for guitar or real amps or this plugin mm-hmm. or that plug it's just like it's all good now just find yeah. what you like try some well, stuff out you know that, yeah that's it i mean this this very podcast dear listener gets edited on adobe audition mm. um which which prides itself on being a podcast editing suite but also offers fantastic facilities for editing music and i've 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 created music on adobe audition uh before i actually think it's very good very intuitive um you know really straightforward obviously most of the plugins i'm using are from isotope um certainly both you know myself and mark's audio are edited using the isotope nectar suite and then Mm -hmm. mastered uh with their um <laughs> with another suite <laughs> that i use every single week and can't remember the name of the ozone or something uh, yeah something like that yeah ozone that would that would be it but you know the the isotope stuff i think is fantastic but audition just to, offers a really great blank canvas i think especially for podcast um editing um and has a really good mp3 converter which you wouldn't have thought is something that actually is there is a quality difference on, but there really is. As someone who's edited audio, you know, podcast audio on different platforms before, um, the the Adobe Audition one. Is yeah, very it does. Good. All that stuff makes a di- makes a bit of a difference, definitely. Yeah. If you're, yeah, changing yeah. formats and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And and the one that that I've started using now is um, is Personus Studio uh, One. Studio One. Yeah, yeah man. Um, Again, which has good things. But it's it, everything, it. Every, everyone offers like a free version of something. And, and you know, I guess the, the precursor to this is I needed to teach the rest of my band how to use a door. So I was like, okay, well, I, you know, I, I knew that not all of them were Mac users. So I was like, well, Logic, I can't teach them Logic. So I'll need to learn something else and use that. Um, so, you know, I, I found Studio One. And I had a friend that used it, and I realised that they they've done such a great job at tiering the versions that it was really easy for us to use it as a collaboration between band members. And listener, you know, I, I recommend this if you have a band and you're, you know, you you want to teach everyone the basics and, and maybe put something together because the free version is fantastic. You just can't use plugins. Hmm. 
and you can upgrade to sort of the professional version for whatever it is, I don't know, 150 quid or something like that, and and then be able to use all of those things. They also give you a load of pretty good plugins and actually really good compressor that I still use, even with all the other bits and bobs I use. But also you can do a part upgrade and just get the ability to use plugins for like 50 quid, which is very, very good. And I really like the um, like the MIDI programming element of Studio One that really appealed to me, especially as I thought, you know, we were going to be building drum tracks, probably building synth tracks and things like that. Very straightforward, very easy to use. You know, the the interface itself comes with loads of great demos and links to videos where you can learn how to use it, as does everything. Um, but you know, as a as a essentially a completely free option, I thought it was yeah. completely fantastic. And um, Reaper's worth a shout as well because I'm. Um, I don't know anything about Reaper. I know someone who uses it, but I don't know much about it. Yeah, That's free as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically. I think it's pretty much free, and I think you can like donate. <laughs> I think it's like a a sort of open platform or whatever you call it thing. Right. But yeah, I I've not stepped into that either myself but i've recorded like live sessions where people have been using it and you know it's supposed like one of the things people always say about reaper is how stable it is but i've watched a couple of videos and stuff and when i've thought about trying out other daws and it's kind of one that you can also um change a lot uh like customize you know Right. So, so if you're used to, say, Pro Tools or something, you can just kind of pretty much tell it to react like Pro Tools does. Oh, that's really interesting. And and there's just way more open, you know, open open source. Is that the right? Well, I guess it's so. not open source. No, I'm talking rubbish. But, but yeah, it's very customizable and it's very affordable, if not right. free. So that's another good one to check out. And I think you can use most kind of plugins and bits and pieces with it. Yeah, that's 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 very good, very versatile. But yes, yeah, so I I guess the moral of this one, listener, is it's kind of up to you. Every everyone really does offer a free version. Obviously, Pro Tools has the advantage of moving forward into sort of studio stuff. But certainly, if yeah. you're just trying to, you know, get on on board with demoing, there is no wrong answer. And as you said, Mark, it's like um, it's a tape machine. Um, yeah. Yeah, for a lot of people it is. It it depends what kind of music and stuff you're doing as well, doesn't it? Because it's like if you if you want to write a lot of stuff with synths and bits and bobs, like some DAWs will offer more in terms of software instruments, like with the included bundle, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and some are more geared, like Pro Tools is kind of geared towards the studio and, and recording because it was one of the early one of the early ones where it's, where it was trying to take over from the tape machine and yeah. then logic and people like that is it's much more geared to music creation yeah of course absolutely and that's it i think uh, i think most of the new ones the the ones that aren't kind of you know the studio standards the way they are sort of dealing with the fact that they're not studio standard is they're making sure that you and this is great if you're just setting up a little home studio guys this is it, it, they're making sure that you have as much as you possibly can available to you in the way of like free um, uh, instruments that come with the package and kind of versatility when it comes to that sort of thing, recording virtual instruments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just yeah. good to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, with a load of that stuff, you're you know you can you can hanker after all the all these other kind of brands of plugins and things. But if you buy Logic or Ableton or Studio One or whatever it might be, you're if you want to create some music, you've got everything you need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, now we're 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 actually coming up to the uh, to the end of this week's episode of the Katana's Home Recording Guide, um, and there is there's so much stuff, so much stuff that I haven't um, covered with you, Mark. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think I would. It would be fantastic if I could get you on a, another episode of this series. Yeah, man. Happy, I think... If I haven't bored everyone's tears, I'll happy come back and give it another go and see if I can really 
ruin someone's evening. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. We ended up going down the rabbit hole of like a, of equipment, which of course is unfortunately the rabbit hole I will always end up going down. <laughs> but there are there are kind of so many things I want to ask you about and talk to you about about kind of um, more than gear about actual production and hints and tips yeah, and things yeah, that people can do because that's something that you've had a real focus on on your YouTube channel as well with a really interesting like series of videos on on helping people with how to you know do everything from I don't know, record lead vocal lead vocals to sort of setting up their studio room you know so there's um there are all those things that would be great to talk to you about um on there so um, yeah yeah, we, yeah i'd we, love we, to come back that'd be cool and yeah. yeah we can talk we can not just like list loads of plugins and stuff we could actually <laughs> talk about how we could use some of them and things but exactly, um, exactly. we can list some plugins as well definitely. yeah yeah I'd, I'd love that so thank you very much listener for tuning into this week's list of plugins podcast uh, <laughs> but uh, no but uh, but but yes um uh, don't forget of course you can follow mark on on youtube um at at, at mark roberts producer engineer or visit his website markrobertsproducerengineer.com you can follow guitar nerds on all of the major social platforms and join uh, join us on our facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum and our patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds and we'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery farewell cheers up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com <laughs> <laughs> 